Tombstone Minute, your daily podcast where we discuss the movie Tombstone Minute by Minute. It's Huckleberry Wednesday. I'm joined as always by Joe, but also today by Crystal Beth from The Fifth Element. Hooray! Yes, I I think... I'm your Huckleberry. (laughs) I think this means we've actually made it for real in the minute by minute world because you've (laughs) you've been on a lot of shows. I have been on a lot. I think you are my 26th. Okay, so 26 shows, and a lot of them, most of them, they usually do a week of a guest, right? Yes. So let's say about 100 minutes you've recorded. Oh, good God. Wow, when you say it like that, that sounds like a lot. There's a supercut, a whole movie of just you uh, talking about different movies. And the reason I bring this up is, is this... Is this the worst minute you've ever had to talk about <laughs> that you randomly got? Yes. Okay, perfect. I can hands down tell you <laughs> that out of all of the minutes that have been bestowed upon me, I always get excited because there's at least one part of the minute that I get really super pumped about. Yep. And this minute <laughs> is literally in between the two this is just a meh scene, mm-hmm. and this minute is in between two of the highest points of the meh. <laughs> so, but as I was saying earlier to myself, <laughs> there's actually a lot of historical things that you can talk about with this, which is always a good thing. However, yeah, that- I get, you know, I get some good looking people to look at. That's the one thing. That's the one thing we have with Tombstone is we can always lean on some historical stuff when yeah. there's the, not the action on the sequence. So, uh, I guess I'll just describe this minute. Uh, why didn't Josephine reunite briefly? It's essentially what we have here. Um, we start out with Wyatt looking at Doc Holliday, who's laying in the bed. Uh, he looks ill. <laughs> <laughs> he does. When he's looking at, this is a long look at, at Doc. Is he thinking this is the last time he'll see him or, or this is the end? Oh, I 100% think so. Yeah. Which is meaningful. I mean, Joe and I have argued that that is, I mean, this isn't, this isn't a bold argument, but that is a relationship that matters in this movie. I agree. And when Josephine's wagon pulls up, he's probably thinking like, well, this is pretty convenient. We got, we could just throw two bodies in there. like do you save money on freight when you ship in bulk yeah we just it's a it's a it's a a bogo sale two two corpses for one um and two actors who really like to choose scenery as well yes that's true we got billy zane and val kilmer sharing a stagecoach oh my Uh, gosh Both of those actors are the most fun actors, too, where you never know what you're going to get from them. Yeah. And even I mean, in death, I feel like they'd be crazy. I mean, even even think of how we've, we've sort of mentioned this, but like Billy Zane is barely in this movie and Mr. Fabian is super memorable. Yeah, he's uh, he gives us some Shakespeare. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and, until I was rewatching it, I was like, oh, Josephine does come back to the Hooker Ranch for just a little bit. Like this whole sequence, I'm surprised by every time I watch the movie. Like, oh yeah, <laughs> Charlton Heston's in this movie. I forgot. <laughs> yes. I feel like that's the whole movie for me. 
every time I watch it, I'm like, I forgot they were in it. I forgot they were in it. Because I first, I used to watch this movie every weekend with my dad. It was one of his favorite movies. And then it became one of mine because I was like, I want to be like my dad. Yeah. And it, every time, because I was like, you know, you get older, you start recognizing, uh, you know, who people are and different actors and different things. It is insane how many people are in this. Yeah, I mean, the, the Billy Bob Thornton one is the one that, like, as years go by, you're like, is that Billy Bob Thornton? It's true. <laughs> and I, uh, uh, Henry Hooker, or as, or as we like to call him, or when I say we, I mean me, Harry Hooker. You're so dumb. <laughs> <laughs> he, he tells them, he says that they got held up and their boss actor got killed. Is that what they say, boss actor? They say boss actor. Like, as an adjective, like he's boss? Like, cool? <laughs> yes. This is the 93 release. They wanted just to sort of put in a little a little um, uh, slang from the early 90s. Um, <laughs> so they put boss in there. That was, a, that was a term people used then, right? I, don't, I was just thinking, I'm not sure when it was fashionable to, come, I, to say I, something I, as boss. <laughs> Yeah, I feel, oh man, that's so boss. Is that part of like that Swingers revival? (laughs) Yeah, boss. Oh, you know what I might be thinking of? Uh, Wasn't bum equipment a big deal at this point in the 90s? Oh, yeah. Man. There's like, boss was a a clothing, Hugo Boss. Oh, okay, so that's around the same time, right? Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Think so they're just throwing in some casual urban slang from the 90s into this it, well i mean technically it's almost 1890s so they're like oh what's 100 years right <laughs> sure like how can we make charlton heston hip again <laughs> <laughs> yeah so he, he says in his original costume he's wearing tons of flannel and, and, <laughs> and jeans with holes in them you can't see under his hat but there's a uh a man bun oh man yeah that's perfect that would be i tried to google what boss actor meant i was like what does boss actor mean and it all it's given me the cast of the boss so apparently it means melissa mccarthy Kristen bell and peter dinklage (laughs) okay it's funny that's what you got because i looked at it and it was i got a bunch of news articles about one of the actors from who's the boss that is <laughs> HIV positive now. Yeah, that's oh. the first one that came up, but I was like, that's yes. too much. Let me not talk about that one. Well, which one? Um, I It's not Tony Danza, is it? No, not Tony Danza. No. The other uh, guy. The other, is the it other one of the guy. kids? Is it one of the kids? Well, let's get this name. Danny Pintaro. Oh, Danny Pintaro, yeah. So who was he in the show? He must have been a kid. He was a child star. So he was one of the kids. Oh. Yeah. Well, that's too bad. That's, yeah. Uh, I didn't have I didn't watch Who's the Boss, so I feel sad for him, but I don't care. <laughs> that's fair. This isn't Speaking of style, do you do you think Heston's mustache game is up to snuff with the rest of the cast? Looks great mustache here. I mean, it looks like a mustache that would be around now. I mean, when you're looking next to Kurt Russell's, no mustache is really well, except for Sam Elliott. But 
Yeah, Sam Elliott has the best mustache. Um, that, and he was born with that. Like, he came out of his mom with that beautiful gray mustache. That's how they pulled him out by it. <laughs> and he was like, ow, hey. <laughs> he asked if they had any good sarsaparilla. <laughs> the womb. Do you, Crystal, do you think that do you think that that's a real mustache on Kurt Russell in this movie? No. We've. I don't I, either. I've heard differing things on this. Someone we've we've heard early on that apparently all the facial hair is real, but I don't believe it because we've seen his stunt mustache a few times. The stunt yeah. mustache. The stunt yeah. stash. <laughs> I'm thinking about joining his wine club just so I can go to the dinner and ask him. Oh, yeah. I honestly, I really don't think it's real, even from the first scene. I'm like, that's not right. It's pretty inconsistent. The the guy I go to to get my hair cut, he told me that someone, a client came in one time and told him that he worked on Tombstone, and he asked him if those mustaches were real, and he said they were not. Now, that's a lot of connections I just made to get there, so I don't know how true to believe that source, but... That seems like that would be something. He's like, oh, yeah, they had to, like, glue those things on. Yeah, I I believe it. <laughs> I feel like, I, have either of you ever tried to wear a fake mustache for a while? Not a professionally applied one. I think I feel like even those, you end up, like, with your head kind of tilted back, trying to hold it on, and trying not to speak with your upper lip. And, like, especially if you're filming in the desert... I went to school for theater, so I had all this stuff like for the makeup artist to glue hair on it. It still started to come off. It would yeah. have been crazy. About every half of a take, they would have had to put it back on. Maybe he has extensions where they just <laughs> added hairs to his sparse mustache. He has a mustache. Is that an weave? option? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they could do it to eyelashes. I bet they could do it to. Yeah. A meave, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> If it doesn't exist, let's start it. Let's yeah. Of the Meave. So going back to Joe's earlier point, is dead Mr. Fabian still in that stagecoach? Yeah. That must be stinky. I mean, don't you think they'd drop him off somewhere? <laughs> Just, I assumed what? he got buried somewhere else. Yeah. Or that enough time had passed that they were like, well, we're just gonna... Because I feel like back then, it wasn't as big of a deal to drop you off to where you were born or get you to where your family's cemetery was. It was kind of like, well, you're dead. Here's your hole. We're going to yeah. give you a grave. Like, there's a lot of people like uh, uh, Maddie. She's buried in a ghost town. That <laughs> She was married in Pinal. She's buried in Pinal, Arizona which is a ghost town that's just doesn't exist anymore. And she was buried there because she died there. She wasn't like, this is where I want to get buried. She was working as a prostitute and overdosed, and Imagine that's that. where they buried her. So yeah. I feel like he got buried along the way. Because they, yeah. they didn't have the stuff to keep bodies, and especially in the days of you know uh, covered wagons carrying people places, that is how you spread disease is by keeping stuff with you. And I think even though they were not good about keeping disease contained, this is when they were first starting to know about medicine. So I feel like they, not first starting to know, but when medicine is, obviously you can tell by the laudum. Uh, yeah. 
medicine is becoming a thing. So pe- doctors are like, maybe uh, don't keep smoking and drinking when you have tuberculosis. Maybe don't carry a dead body around you when you're walking around town. Get it well, in the dirt. I mean, also, like, Josephine's like a, you know, uh, as far as we see in this movie, in this movie at least, not in real life, but like, you know, an upper class woman. They can't be like, just hand, just <laughs> hang out in the stagecoach with this dead corpse for a few days. Yeah, no, yeah, I don't, I don't, I think I just don't like it. Maybe they found some dry ice to um, put them on from those fresh seafood uh, carts. That's true, they could have taken... Because they get fresh seafood in Tombstone every day. We saw that in that sign. Yeah. And then obviously they have to be packed on ice or something. Yeah. I I just wish we would have just seen Billy Zane's leg sticking out of the stagecoach. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, I am... Um, I've been looking around online and there's a quote from Goldie Hawn saying that she wasn't a fan of the mustache, which makes me think that it might have been real. Oh. Because she <sighs> wouldn't have had to see it if it was applied every day. That's true. Hmm. I hope it's well, real. I, I, I hope by the end of this we can solve this mystery of these mustaches. Maybe they kept uh, his corpse around so they could do uh, Hamlet. <laughs> Oh, God. Mr. Fabian's ghost just plays <laughs> King Hamlet. Oh, he would do that. You know what? I think he has enough passion for the craft that he would he'd somehow be able to come back to life, reanimate himself to do that. Is Billy could pass as young enough to play the young Hamlet, the prince. Yeah. That's true. Do you... Okay, here's a question. In the Birdcage Theater... Um, this was the troupe that was there performing. What's happening now there? Who's and why performing didn't we ever get to now? see Robin Williams and Nathan Lane? <laughs> uh, that's a different birdcage. It's in the director's <laughs> cut. <laughs> but do you think? Do you think Professor Gilman stuck around and is doing his juggling still? Like, what do you? Are there no, any they, shows they happening? So there's just a new a new show came to tombstone yeah i think so i guess that's true because we did read that when morgan was killed he had been at a musical like he had been at some like a musical production like a a play like a full play not a variety show yeah all right all right well um mr fabian and then we have this moment where uh we slowly watch as wider approaches Josephine (laughs) and I I don't I don't entirely so he says I'm sorry about your friend and then I'm sorry that I and then she says I forgave you the moment you said it yeah that's ridiculous (laughs) what is she forgiving him for for snapping at her when his hands were covered in blood no, that's and he still, was like, like, get away from me. His brother would just died. Listen, girls don't understand that. <laughs> we want to know that you know that we are there for you. He's the last few times they've seen each other. He's done this weird thing where he just stares at her and doesn't say anything. <laughs> he's like, uh. Listen, I'm I'm sorry. And she's like, no, I apologize. I forgave you when you said it. No, no, no. Like I, I want to. I was. I'm a creep. <laughs> I'm acting like a real creep sometimes. I just stare at you and like, 
you can't tell what I want and I don't know what I want, but like, I know you don't know what I want. And I just like look at you and then I run away screaming. So I'm sorry. And she's like, oh, I didn't even notice. He, yeah, his emotional intelligence is quite low. Very. Um, I think, here's my take. I feel I like think this she- is, this comes up in almost all of your minutes. <laughs> it does. But how he doesn't, and I, it makes me wonder if it's a, a wider trait or a Kurt Russell so used to doing comedic work that he doesn't know how to be a real person. I, I'm trying to think of like his roles in movies before that. I mean, it's true. I guess that up until this point, it's not like he really was showing a huge range of, of performances with his acting, but like, you know, big trouble in little China. He's, there's much more dynamic there than, than here in the thing. He's great in the thing. But then yeah. there's also that moment of big trouble in Little China when she's like, are you going to kiss me? And he's just like, no. <laughs> <laughs> Which is oh, maybe my favorite so movie moment funny. of all time. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, so this is a step forward in this movie, I guess. That's true. I, I think, though, I think that she, Josephine, should be apologizing to Wyatt. What? <laughs> yes. And let me tell you why. Because that last day he saw her, Joe, you and I talked about this. That last day he saw her when they left Tombstone, uh, the funeral for Morgan was his 34th birthday. And she didn't get him waiting, a present. He was waiting for someone to say happy birthday to him, and she just walked across the street and ignored him. He's walking out in the street in the rain holding his hands out <laughs> for his presents. Yeah. <laughs> Why hasn't anyone got me a present? <laughs> he, like, left a certain part of the stagecoach, like, free. He didn't pack anything in there for all the presents he was hoping he was going to get. Oh. He purposely didn't make plans that night in case somebody planned a party for him. That's why he's just <laughs> sitting alone, sitting lonely in that uh, that car table. Oh, I'm mixing up nights. No, that's the same night. Yeah, that's that's the night. Yeah. So that apparently that was his birthday, Crystal, when he when he left. Uh, when the day of Morgan's funeral was his 34th birthday. Oh, what a bad birthday! Pretty selfish yeah. of Morgan. Yeah. Honestly, right? <laughs> He shouldn't have done that. What's his problem? Do you think like when he was dying, instead of saying that he doesn't see anything, he should have said, you don't need to come to my funeral. I know it's your birthday. <laughs> That's what uh, if, any if I selfless die person and... would say. Yeah. Do you think Wyatt went up to Morgan's wife, Lou, like afterwards and was like, so did Morgan have anything that he had for me that I was supposed to get today? So like a present maybe? <laughs> Have you had a chance to go through his effects? Was there anything gift wrapped amongst them? If not, I'll just take his belt buckle. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just think, you know, ultimately it's Josephine who should be apologizing here. But but I, I'll, I'll be honest. This might just tell you uh, the emotional intelligence of, of, of me. I honestly couldn't figure out what he was saying sorry for. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Yeah, honestly, I I think it's just the man being safe and saying I'm sorry because clearly she was looking at him weird and he was like, well, I have to say sorry now. And he's like, thank God she didn't ask for what. He's probably like, I don't even know what it was either. He, he should have done the very dismissive male, like, I'm sorry for whatever upset you. Yeah. Or, <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. 
I'm sorry. I mean, I probably did something. <laughs> oh my gosh. Women love that. <laughs> yep. We should I'm we should bring femininity expert whatever. Jamie on to talk whatever. about apologies. Yep. So just oh my god, I'm sorry it'll get you so far. Even if you don't think you did anything wrong. The older I get, I used to be like, no, 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 I won't make someone apologize if they don't know what they did. That that's silly. And then after yeah. a while, the people are like, sorry, I'm like, thank you. It's <laughs> all I need. It is. It's good that she interrupted him then, because who knows what he would have said when he said, I'm sorry, I'm sorry that I, and then she said, I forgive you the moment you said it. Right? Oh, my gosh. What do you think he was going to say? <laughs> um, Finish his sentence, Rob. I'm sorry that I shot that man in the opium den, <laughs> even though his hands were up. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm Even though he had surrendered peacefully, I probably shouldn't have shot him in the face. I think he's saying, I'm sorry, you remember that time you were wondering where one of your silk handkerchiefs went and you were looking for it everywhere and I told you that I didn't see it? I'm sorry, I used it because we needed to tie together uh, an escape sheet for one of my friends to climb out of the top window. Oh God, I feel so much better now. And she'd be like, that was my grandmother's. Yes. <laughs> or, or, or he tells them, he tells Josephine that he's sorry that he stole all her red handkerchiefs that, and sashes she had because he used those for his vigilante justice to tie him to the people he murdered. <laughs> to people that he owed him money. Yeah. Well, sometimes I look at, I look back on the, the Wild West and I'm like, that is, a much simpler time where you can just shoot someone if they make you mad. And if the people agree that it was a good idea, they're like, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. he needed to go. Or in this case, they're wearing red. Yes. Or if they're wearing red. <laughs> they yes. picked the wrong right. accessory for their outfit that day. Hey, the Bloods and Crips get it. Yeah. Well, do I, I, I know that you mentioned that you did a little Josephine research. Yes, actually, I had done uh, Josephine research back uh, when I was younger. When I was watching this with my dad, it made me kind of a history buff when I was in younger grades. But one of the most important things that people need to learn or know about Josephine is that she almost made it so that Earp's story wasn't told. <laughs> Like, he really wanted to have his story made, and she was there with him through that. But any parts of the story that made her look bad, she wanted covered up and never mm. talked about. And she would lie and say that other things happened that were starting to ruin the timeline for Wyatt Earp and making it seem like he wasn't where he was when other people say he was. And she wrote a, a little bit of a memoir that someone published, and it ended up, uh, being completely falsified. Like it was in 99, they figured out that it was completely inaccurate down wow. to the picture on the cover. It was even her. Yes. It's not even her. So there's a picture of her. Uh, the book is called, uh, I married Wyatt Earp. And it's a picture of a woman with no top on with, uh, kind of a sheer scarf going all down her. And it says it's a picture of Josephine. And it's Glenn Boyer who wrote the book. He insisted it was her, but it's copyrighted in 1914. And he's saying that it was hers from 1880. Yeah. Interesting. You can, uh, that 
that exact picture and the description I just said is actually on the Josephine Earp uh, Wikipedia page. But if you read why I married, I mean, I married Wyatt Earp, you get this whole backstory that people really started going off of and they made a lot of movies off of it, but it's not true. Wow. I mean, that's like everything in the Old West. So as we've kind yeah. of gone through this, like all the stuff is, myth- do you think Manny wrote a book called <laughs> why, Are you why, I married, why I Married Wyatt Earp and How I Became Addicted to Opium? Oh, man. <laughs> I wish. It's actually, I, I think that she's one of the reasons why Josephine was trying to cover it up because she felt so bad. Because she just ends up dying, like, from an overdose. Maddie's waiting for Earp to get back and call yeah. her. Yeah. She just literally said, waits He just left. It's like, I'll be back. And then he <laughs> and never then, back. And she tried to fully conceal Maddie in general. Like, tried to completely hide her from uh, White Earp's backstory i wish she would have succeeded because then we wouldn't have had to sit through all those scenes in this movie gosh (laughs) sweated and cried the whole time (laughs) the the, even like the little bit i read on josephine like there's like entire gaps of her life we don't know about like there's just like like well we don't really know we think she might have been a prostitute during this time but yeah she also her parents lied for her because they didn't want people to know so she is uh Station. She said they say that she's in California, in San Francisco area. Her parents say that. At the same time, during a census, she's saying she's in Tombstone, and there's a a crossover between two people, Sadie and Josie. And Sadie was what Josephine was called for a little bit because Sarah yeah. was her name as a prostitute. So there's two people that have the exact t- same timelines, pretty much, but they say they're in different spots, and people are like, "That has to be her." But she lies about where she was and what she was doing because she wasn't proud of what she was doing because she came from, you know, a good Jewish family. And there's this whole backstory on people trying to figure out if she's the same person or if they're different people. And everything just coincides too much, like down to the age, the uh, physical characteristics. And I don't know. It's so cool that people can just, like, make up stuff. You can't do that now. Well... That's another spinoff idea right there, Joe. What's we, that? We do the Josephine story, but it's similar to Fight Club, where it's the whole split personality thing. <laughs> <laughs> that would be awesome. Yeah, right? Oh, my gosh. That would be crazy. <laughs> I would watch that. I would, too. I, during during I, that time period, if you were a prostitute, but you were really well-educated like that, like it's, sometimes it would be the point where you have like maybe just one or two clients. Like there's a an old brothel here in Milwaukee that has, uh, has sort of this legendary prostitute who got the, like the top floor in the building, the third floor. Right. But she spoke like three or four languages and was extremely well read. So you had to have a lot of money, and the men were, I mean, obviously paying for sex, but <laughs> be, beyond that, like paying to just have someone intelligent to talk to. So, yeah. like, a lot of, like, the highest earners came from really wealthy families where they got a good education, and then they just kind of were looking was, for a different lifestyle. Yeah, and it, it was also a better job. It was a better job than a lot of other jobs women could get because you you had a freedom, and while you were selling your body, you knew what you were doing, but you were able to do more things and get away with more things. And I think that that was the case up until very recently in history, like, 
the early 1900s was when it started really getting frowned upon and all the the prudish sense started coming back yeah. a little bit more, I think. But that was a job you could have and sort of act and be however you wanted. Yeah, that's you true. You should start doing that, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I hear it's pretty good. Yeah. Now we'll see. You know, I don't know if... <laughs> I don't know if I'm smart enough. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I would I'd totally be a male prostitute, but I'm not well educated, so I, can't do it. <laughs> I know Doc Holliday is not in this minute, and nor is Kate, but she was very intelligent in real life, and Doc Holliday considered him, considered her, his her his mental equal. Like, he thought she was as smart as him, and they would have, like, huge fights because they were both so smart. But in the movie, it kind of sucks that they made... She, and she was someone... She was called Big Nose Kate. Yeah, Big Nose Kate. And <laughs> they had this, like, gorgeous Hungarian woman playing her instead of a big-nosed Hungarian playing her. But I understand why they did that. But that's the whole thing with men wanting to be around women that were smarter than them once... Like at night, one time, and I Doc Holiday. I feel like it's one of the only ones that was like, "Well, this is mine for all time." Not one yeah. that's like meek and cute and like I'm gonna make your house all nice. Doc Holiday was like, "That's what I want to walk around with me all day." This smart person. Yeah, that's that's interesting. I really went down the. A... I wish I had a partner like that for my podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, do either of you have anything else on this particular minute? I do uh, not. No. Okay. Um, Crystal, can you let us know? Can you let our listeners know? Uh, you know where else they can hear you? You don't have to list all twenty. No. <laughs> well, if you want to listen to the podcasts I've guested on, moviesbyminutes.com has almost all of them. And you can listen to my Movies by Minutes podcast called The Fifth Element on iTunes. And you can listen to older episodes if you want to start from the beginning at www.thefifthelement.com. And you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at TheCrystalBeth. And I also have a video game podcast called Unlimited Lives Radio that's also available on iTunes. Awesome. Well, thanks a lot for making our little podcast real now. <laughs> yeah, oh, thank no. You. <laughs> thank you for having me. I've clearly had a lot of stuff saved up that I wanted to talk about on this. I love the West. <laughs> so I know. cool. It's, it's been fun. We, we have to always remind our listeners that even though we criticize this movie a lot, we, we still both really love it. It's just that's so That's what you're fun. supposed to do. Yeah, that's true. Um, well, thanks a lot. And uh, we'll be back tomorrow with uh, Minute 104. Mm-hmm.